Go Light presents Murder Most Irish. videos on TikTok where they recreate it is that scene is in in uh fucking what you call it what's that movie called I completely forgot Sistract um that's it's my favourite thing ever because Kathy and Jimmy is a national treasure is Kathy and Jimmy the girl that's in Focus Focus yeah Uh, she's a national treasure yeah she is she is and she's also like she's on King of the Hill forever she's like the best I love Kathy she was in a show that I used to watch called Veronica's Closet Veronica's Closet Religiously, yes, Veronica and Closet. I shouldn't have been. No, and I Way shouldn't have been on at that time. Did you watch Caroline in the City? Oh, no, tell me what happens in Caroline, Caroline in the, the City. Caroline in the City was the ma from Back to the Future, but she no. was living in the big city and no. she was like an artist, and it was a better little life in the city. And I used to love Caroline in the City, I love Veronica's Closet, I loved what was the other one with the two, the guy from that CSI show, not CSI, Criminal Minds. And his girlfriend was really kooky. Her surname's Elfman in real life. What are you talking about? It was the guy and he was like the real straight-laced guy and she was like a hippie. Darman Greg. Darman Greg. Yes. He was in Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds, that's the one. I used to watch that. Um, what were the other shows? Yeah, she was, and she was like, oh, I just burned out my bras. <laughs> um, hey, we've got no windows this week. She's married to Danny Elfman's son. Really? Jenna Elfman. Yeah, they're all like connected. Danny Elfman did... Um, he did Mark Maron's podcast the WTF podcast oh. and that's why I listened to him he's just so interesting like he was saying that him and his brother uh, who wrote a movie called Forbidden Zone if you ever get a chance to watch it please do it's really good um, they went to like France when they were younger yeah. and just joined this like random jazz band oh okay and did that for years and then you know it's just one of those people that they could just you could tell they, I think they were at a time as well where you could just do that and be successful with it. So yeah, Danny Elfman I find is very, very interesting. Um, I hope he hasn't done anything bad. <laughs> mm, what is this forbidden zone? Jesus Christ. It's great. Okay. It's a mad movie. Me and Colin found it one time on a DVD because we couldn't get it anywhere. I think we got in Tower and we went in one time and we were just like, we'll just look for this and we found one copy and we were like, oh my God. But it's very good. It's really weird. Okay. And his brother plays the devil in it. No, he plays the devil in it. Yeah. It's very interesting. That's my story on Danny Elfman. Welcome to this week's episode of uh, Murder Most Irish. Mm. Episode of number 104, baby. Four. Crazy. 104. 105, we're stopping. Done. We're done. Goodbye. Thanks very much. End of story. It'll be Finished. the best of. Best of and shite. The best of. Best of nothing. The best of a bad bunch. That's it. Um, do you have any news? You know what I'm going to ask? Go on. How are you? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because like. We always do this thing where we get, and I know we talk to each other all the time, so like whatever, but I want to ask you right now, how are you? Oh God. I don't know if I'm, pregnant pause. Yeah, if I'm super honest, I'm not amazing. Okay. I'm having a really difficult time at work and I know we've spoken about loads, but I don't, I'm like, I've spoken about so much that it's like, oh, do you want like, I've spoken about it so much 
but I haven't spoken about it. I don't know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I've been mm-hmm. like, work is shit, but I haven't been like, this is what's happening. This is, or, this is why it's shit. Yeah. This is why it's shit. This is why it's shit. Um, but Sorry, I man. feel better today because I've like made a decision that like I'm done. Okay. Like That's I don't want to be there anymore. Um, so that has made me feel a lot better. But like I'm still in this place of like, I don't know what's next. Yeah. I just had no, done. like just the last couple of months there's been like no joy. But no, I feel good. I feel it's get, it's become a Christmas and I'm starting to get that Christmas feeling. Oh, good. Okay. And I love that. I'm going to do my Christmas decorations. And yeah, I think it's just that thing of like, it's a really stressful time as well, but to be decide to decide that like, I'm not going to work there anymore because it's like when you need all of your money is at Christmas. But Sarah, that I think a lot of that is pressure we put on ourselves that is unnecessary. Like me, Christmas for me, when I have everybody's presents bought, I really don't give a fuck after that. Like I don't care about like anything else. You know, yeah. it's not like I have to have money for this and this and this. It's like whatever happens, happens. You know, I yeah. think money and Christmas, people just put this excuse me, excessive amount of pressure on themselves. And you don't need to do that. You have all Lily's presents. Like you have Graham's presents for mm-hmm. it. What else do you need? Yeah. You're going to have food on your table. Yeah. You know what I it's mean? It's just all the bits that go with it, right? Like it's like the food and then it's the like people dropping in and then it's like, we'll, we'll go, we're going out here. And I know that's all on me, but I'm also, you know what I'm like? I'm not one for, like, I don't want to let anybody down. And, and There's nobody to let down. I know. There's literally nobody to let down. You have everything that you need. You're going to have food on your, on your dinner table. Yeah. Like there is literally no reason for it. Like I'm more, I'm getting stressed about the idea of like telling my family that I'm leaving. Because I know that like, you know what, you know what our parents are like. Isn't it crazy that we're in our 30s and we yeah, still feel Yeah, but you know what our mothers are like. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, ah! I know when my mum rings me and I'm like, I'm sick, I'm not in work. Her immediate thought process is Emma's have left her job. Yeah. She's now selling her body for money. My th- my mum is never like, oh, she's left. My mum's just like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like, Oh, the what are you going to do? Yeah, it's never like, it's never been in the history of my life. Do you know what? Given how shitty you feel. And then sometimes I'm like, is it because I don't communicate how shitty I feel? I just keep going. Yes. Like. Yes. I just I keep think it's going. part of that and part of the other thing. But you do have a tendency not to pretend that everything is okay. But I think if you continue to tell yourself everything is okay, yeah. you make yourself believe that everything is okay. So you just keep going and going yeah. and going. Like and last going. week on Friday when I just kept going, I was like. Like I had that terrible downturn center around yeah. you and I was so upset. Yeah. And I was like, you know, like, like I was crying where like you were asking, you were talking to me and I was like, <gasps> yeah, I could like, hear you. Were, you could, like, yeah. You were, and I was like, oh, like, and then I got off the phone and poor Graham got it in the fucking neck. I th- he was trying to be like, no, you can like, he's trying to be supportive. Yeah. Supportive and yeah. 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 And I was, and then I was like, oh, I do have to keep going. And then you were like, me and you were talking to each other on the phone and I was like, why can't he like be like you? Why can't yeah. he be like you're not got like you can't keep going no, doing this? And then I got up the next day and I was like, right, and I did did that thing where I was like, I've cried, I told everybody, I feel better. <sighs> Let's go. And then I got into work and I was like, oh no, I still feel terrible. No. Like I feel terrible. Yeah, no. I, and I, then I, it was like, actually, um, you need to come back tonight and work night shift. Yeah, no, that's insanity. When you told me that, I was like, sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Sarah, I think you, I think you've made, you made your decision a while ago, but I think you were trying to find all possible avenues to kind of keep going. Mm. But I think the possible avenues are now exhausted and you need to do whatever you need to do. To yeah. Look after yourself. So anyway, yeah, I'm going like, I'm better than I was. Okay. But I'm still in this place of like, oh, like, are you making a big mistake? I know I'm not. I know I'm not. I couldn't be because like, it's not like okay to feel this bad about something. No. Um, but there's still that thing of like, just whenever, 
whenever it comes to anything like this because of like how I like I'm super independent right mm-hmm. I just feel like a massive failure even you're a hyper independent yeah it's a difference it's a, and it's actually a very not a very good thing to be yeah and I'm hyper independent too so I completely get it yeah. but that is the thing that happens when you're hyper independent you want to do everything by yourself all the time and you want to make sure everything's done and you've done it and then what happens is you get this crippling amount of shit on top of you and you can't get out of it and then that's when you break down yeah so that's literally I do this too so I'm not I'm not yeah, diagnosing yeah. you but that's what I do so yeah. I think and that... then Graham just like doesn't always come and go because he I could come in and he'd be like oh <laughs> hello he, no but he'll say to me like the thing that I've been saying to him and I'm like how dare you say that to me I know I know I get it though like okay. and, but like you just like what you just said there letting people down who are you letting down I mean are you going to do are you going to stay in a job because you're afraid your parents are going to be let down no no this is not possible yeah so yeah I hope everybody's working shitty jobs at the moment I hope you're all okay and especially this fucking time of year especially people who work in like service and retail and, and stuff that's like that things, like me and you our jobs that we do like Christmas, Christmas yeah is, it's mental and it's this thing of like watching everybody else around you wind down or they go you know that like week before Christmas they're like oh for two weeks yeah sorry but yeah um, anyway but yeah I'm... no thanks for asking no, how are you shite <laughs> Well, it's not got enough on my plate, right? Listen, we're shy for work. We keep going, And lads. I don't want to hear about it. I'm grand, um, I was doing this the rest of the story today in work and I was so annoyed that I was getting hot. Yes. Like I was like, like sweating from annoyance. No, I'm grand, it's not about me. Same day. Same shit, different day. Yeah. Uh, if anybody lives in Park West, can you tell me what fucking broadband to get? What is this about? Jesus! My cunt of a broadband company has decided to pull out of the area and I cannot get broadband. None of the major ones do it. And then this other company rang me yesterday and said I had to pay 200 euro for installation. I was like, can you fuck off? So I'm not using them. So if anybody lives around the D12 area. Oh, the lovely lady that lives in my apartment block. But maybe... What Wi-Fi do you have? Yeah, (laughs) maybe if we can't get it, maybe we'll all put money from the Patreon to pay for it because we do need it. We do need the Wi-Fi. We do need the broadband. But I, I think it should be okay. But part of me is like, I don't know if it's going to be okay. Like they're leaving and it's gone on the 15th of December. Like gone. So I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. But anyway, if anybody lives in the old uh, Park West area. Maybe if we don't have a by then sword, we can record and I can upload. Yes, exactly. Probably yeah. the best thing I'll to do. I'll come over here and we'll stick on a USB. Exactly. And then you will have to listen. To- well, I'll have no, no to do then. I'll be gone at my job by then. Yeah, no, you just have to upload it onto. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like what thing. I mean is like, I won't be in work being like, oh, I'm doing it. Come home. It's no podcast. Sorry, <laughs> you text me. Did you give me a USB key? I can't remember being in your house. I'm so stressed. I don't know where I am. <laughs> um, yeah, so hopefully I can get It's a fucking mess. That's a mess. Absolute mess. But yeah, speaking of mess, um, is everybody still on Twitter? What's going on? <laughs> I think we should leave. He uh, let Donald Trump back on. Please tell me your joke. No, I'm deadly serious. He put up, he put up a poll being like, should Donald J. Trump have his... And, and people vote like, voted. I... This motherfucker... And then he was like, honestly, <laughs> this, he was like, uh, Twitter's... Um, what's it called when Twitter's traffic is up 139% and I was like yeah you know when your house is on fire and everybody shows everybody's up everybody's like this at the door like it's not burned down people aren't like literally the only they're reason, supporting you the but they're reason, watching yeah. your house burn down and making it worse by creating fake accounts yes. and tanking companies who are then pulling their advertising but you can I've, I, don't, I don't I don't see it but Flavia's been sending me like screenshots of like stuff that's going on and I'm like what is this? Yeah, no, it's... And then, like... So, he, he fired 50% of his staff. Oh and then another ter- another 30% they were, left, like, were right. leaving. So, they left. Oh, he... That man is a fucking lunatic. 
and then he's locked everybody out of the buildings. Also, fuck the guy that sold it to him, that Jack guy. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. And now he's starting up another social media network. I'm like, dude, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You knew what was going to happen when yeah. you did this. Like, but anyway, madness. I was reading, I just thought he was sending me tweets and I was like, what's happening? Yeah, I do think that we might pull off it. Especially after this weekend. Yes. What should I tell people? Yes. Do you want to talk about it or do you not want to no, talk I'll about it? No, I'll talk about it because it's actually... I put up a TikTok and I was going to kill somebody. It's actually re- regards to to our... So actually, you know, I'll, do, I'll talk about it at the start of the story. It's probably okay. the best thing to do. Do you have any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. I've no housekeeping, but I want to talk about the terrible incident in Kilkenny. Oh, yes. I didn't hear about this. Tell so me what happened. this, um, a man and his daughter were driving home from work or from wherever. Right. Um, his daughter was 16. He went in, he, so he got diesel or petrol, left his daughter, 16 years of age, so not a bother, in the car. And then a guy hijacked the car while he was in paying for the diesel. What the little girl was in the car? While well, the 16-year-old was in the car, so kidnapped her, like wouldn't let her out, fully kidnapped her. And then he drove headfirst into another vehicle Stop. with three people in it and he died instantly. And the, the girl that was hijacked in the car has life-altering injuries and is in a very terrible condition in Waterford. And Stop. the three other people are like very badly injured. But she has like life debilitating or life altering or life limiting potentially injuries and she's 16 years of age and her dad went in to pay for diesel and the guy who hijacked the car had a history of like drug and alcohol abuse so like the the thing is like was was he trying to kill himself people aren't sure but it just seems like a really odd thing to do it's such like was he running from the guards or anything nope it's the most mental story I've ever heard in Ireland that poor girl her dad Oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah. How would you even how would you even compute that? Like that's like, not possible. No. Like and that's the thing, because I always like Lily Lily always gets out of the car and goes yeah, to the garage yeah, with me. Yeah, and yeah. it's not for me being like get out, it's for her being like I don't like standing don't the car by stand myself. The car by myself. Yeah. But because she's seven, I wouldn't even think about it, Emma. Not in a million years. Like I would never think no. I would never be like, yeah, like Just stay in the car by yourself there, like. No, I would. I'd be what like, she say? no, she doesn't. But what I mean it's is, Lily, yeah. what, no, what I mean is like, I would never think about someone's going to come, no. get into the car, drive it into traffic. No, I always, when I'm walking away from the car, I always lock it, even if she's yeah, in it. Yeah, of course. But like, they can still get in. Like, that's just, you know. That is. Isn't that story? So I'm going to see if there's like um, a GoFundMe, a GoFundMe or, anything? or something. Because like, she has, but just that man, like his, he came out and his daughter was gone and the car was gone. And Yeah. Well, just uh, what the fuck, dude? Mm-hmm. I don't. <sighs> Absolutely horrendous. I heard just, it. That's because so I sorry. heard about the story and didn't hear the details. And then know. I was in work today. Someone told you. And did someone they? was like, "Did you hear about that in Waterford?" And I was oh. like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard about the details." And then they were like, "No, did you hear?" And then they went into detail. And then I was online looking, and I was like, "Jesus, oh. Mary and Joseph, like Jesus Christ on a bike." That is. Your worst nightmare. I don't, I can't even, we're so sorry to those people. Like that is beyond horrific. Like the news is going to And then the guards like, are getting the shit kicked out of my belly firm. Belly or man, get your shit together, please. Like. Please stop, stop. Everybody in belly firm, stop, please. For the love of God. Stop. What's wrong? Just stop. Kick the what shit. are you doing? Kick the shit out of that guard. Um, my dad said to me today, actually I do have a funny story. Oh. My dad said to me today, um, I picked him up and was driving him home. 
I'm stealing the chip. Go on. And he said, did you see that video of those guards? And I said, I didn't see the video, but I heard about it. And he said, they've got someone, or they've got three people already and there's another one on the run. And I was like, all right. And he was like, they'll get this shit kicked out of him now. They'll get this shit. Oh, they'll have the beating of their life, Sarah. And I was like, what? And he was like, the guards kicked shit out of him. Kick the shit out of like them. Like in the station, I mean. Yeah, the guard, probably, he was like, yeah. the guards have kicked shit probably, out of him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but then I go to prison, a fucking hero. What a mess. A mess. And then dad was in the hospital. Obviously. Yeah, so dad was in the hospital for his prostate. Oh, this is so funny because he had. Remember, he had the like camera, and he had to have little polyps. Oh around. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I ran, He rang me because I was like, "Ring me when you get out from the like update." Yeah. Rang me. I was in work. Yeah, fucking. I had one loudspeaker and I didn't think about it. <laughs> and I was in the office and I was like, "Well," and I was like, "Oh hey, how are you?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm just out now." And I went to take him off loudspeaker before I could. He went. The doctor says I have the best looking hole he's ever seen. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> all right okay so there's no cancer then and he was like oh no he says of a fine great lovely arsehole since he's never seen a better arsehole in his life so he's okay then it's everything's fine, fine. okay good come on Anto on your arsehole yeah. like. and he said tell everybody sit alone on the podcast <laughs> um i also just wanted to say before we do housekeeping as sorry we are to anybody from colorado who listens to this podcast um, for anybody in the lesbian, gay, the LGBTQ bi, community, uh, what happened is beyond. Yeah, like I, I can't. I'm and so you know sorry. what's amazing is the people that were able to do what the police couldn't do in yes. Uvalde, yep. and save people. Yeah, they they took them down. So uh, we're just so sorry. It's so massively triggering as well. Like when you see stuff like that, because I know that hasn't happened in Ireland, and touch all the wood I can find, but like. I worry about him so much. Mm. I worry about Colin a lot. Like, and I worry about my other friends who are gay and trans or whatever. I don't worry about you. Um, But I do. And it's just terrifying. And our hearts go out to everybody. And it it is also to think that's happening. And then they're holding a World Cup in a country that legitimately detests the LGBTQ population. English squad were going to wear like a rainbow a rainbow on there and they have the FIFA and Qatar have come out and said officially they will not be yeah because it breaches their laws so just for people that are so flipping towards what's happening in the World Cup what happened in Colorado is the same reasoning behind their hatred of gay people yeah so please know that if you are fully if you want to watch the football whatever do whichever you have to do but please know that if you are fully supporting a country that believes that people of the LGBTQ uh, population are less than or do not deserve to be alive for who they are that is the same hatred that fuels five people shot dead in a nightclub in Colorado um, just be aware of that because I honestly can't listen to the hypocrisy anymore um, but just yes our hearts go out to everybody in Colorado we're thinking of you and if anybody listens to this podcast in Colorado sorry if this is triggering but please know we fully support you and we're very very sorry so that's all I just wanted to say about that um, I, I have don't have any housekeeping. No housekeeping other than we sew more merch. Yay! Thanks guys, you're the best. We really appreciate it. Um, we got more little, I love the email. Sarah Jean, you've made a sale. Hey! Like, oh, look at us! Um, so thank you so much I to everybody. It's just business stuff actually, I'll talk about it okay. afterwards. Um, and just thanks to everybody still supporting the Patreon. Um, we really, 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 really appreciate it. This I mean, week's Patreon, I'll do the ad. Please do, I can't it. do it. Um, <laughs> so this week's Patreon is um, me and Emma talking about Twitter beef. 
uh, and TikTok beef TikTok. and uh, influencers and multiple other things. Um, and then there's obviously a little intro. Um, and as normal and as usual, we just want to say thank you very much for supporting the podcast. Thank you very much for continuing to pay us on the Patreon. It makes all the difference. It makes this possible. Um, and for those who can't join the Patreon, we get it. We understand it. Listen, lads, and you get a free podcast here. Um, thankfully, because of the people who can. Yeah. So thank you so Merci much. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you? It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Most Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian bell bag and some surprises along the way but that's not all every single week due to popular demand we will be bringing you a full length story whether it be miscellaneous most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show murder most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favourite albums but wait there's even more how about MMI Drive the fan favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash murder most Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month give my mommy six euro I am going to do part two of the Vicky Phelan uh, and the cervical check scandal case that we did last week where we did part w- one where I lost the will to live um, I'm going to lose the will to live a second time during this I'm only going to get more and more angry but before I do this I just want to say oh, here we go. not to name any names or mention anything <laughs> I was made aware I made myself aware like a fucking idiot of a comment that was left about our podcast last week where a person accused me of defaming two doctors and not understanding what the cervical check scandal was about. So basically this person said I defamed two doctors and that we had said that they had misdiagnosed smear tests for these patients. Um, and he insti- this person insinuated that we said this, that they had cancer and their smear that showed they had cancer was misdiagnosed and that we were defaming. Just to let this person know, um, your misunderstanding and your ineptitude at coherence is not my problem. Um, if you actually listen to the podcast, what we stated and what happened was that women were diagnosed with cervical cancer. Um, previous smears when you were diagnosed with cervical cancer in Ireland, as I mentioned, and I can find the paragraph for that person and when we said this, uh, when you were diagnosed with cervical cancer in Ireland, your previous smears are audited. And what happens is those audits done in your previous smears are done by the HSE in the cervical check and they are, those files are kept. So what was happening is, because I don't think this person, his, in, his inability to understand things is really not my problem. Um, those audits are kept and what was happening is when women were then getting, say, two, three cervical checks or smear tests done and then getting diagnosed with cervical cancer, when they're diagnosed, those previous smear tests are audited 
And that information was not being sent to the person. So those previous smear tests in the case of Irene Teep, in the case of Vicky Phelan, in the case of Emma Vicfunton, and in the case of the Lindsay Bar- 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 Barrett, who I'm going to talk about today, uh, their previous smear tests in Lindsay's case, four of them yeah, were, never- were audited, showed signs of cell, obviously issues with cells, um, and then also abnormal showed abnormal cells, cells, and, show, cells. cells and then showed the cancer had actually yeah. started Carson, carcinoma yes carcinoma. squamous cell carcinoma yeah. and then what happened was those audits were not sent to them they were diagnosed with cancer and their cancer was already too far gone yeah. and then when it wasn't too far gone they got chemo it went away and it came back so those audits which should have been given to the patient were not and doctors were told with their own discretion to put hide the file which they were doing, or tell the patient if they wanted to, or they didn't have to, or placed or placed, placed it in their file in their file without telling them. Yes, and what happened with a specific doctor who I mentioned, Doctor Kevin Hickey, is Doctor Kevin Hickey had an argument with Doctor Gronu Flannelly, who was the head of the cervical check, for twelve months over who should tell Vicky Phelan that her previous smears had been audited and she had cancer. Yeah, prior to being diagnosed with cervical cancer. So that did happen. If you want to go look through the references that I have, in no context or in no way did I state anything that this person said that I did. Initially, when I got this, I got really upset and started crying and freaked out, had a breakdown because I thought I had done something wrong and felt really guilty and really bad about it and couldn't deal with it. And then when I sat down and actually read what I wrote and listened back to what I wrote, this person got on the internet, accused me of defaming two doctors and then just walked away. Mm -hmm. So... Whatever with that person, I don't really care about them because then Sarah did say to me, go check their Twitter and it was full of transphobic bullshit. So we won't be getting involved in that. But once again, if you're going to accuse me of defaming people, have your evidence, have your backup and don't say that shit to me unless it's true because it's not true. So that's all I wanted to say because I don't want anybody to think in last week's episode, we were trying to make people look bad. They made themselves look bad. That wasn't our job. So we're going to get into it more. Strap in. Strap in, lads. This is long. I'm very sorry. This is very long. I apologise in advance. Um, so all my... I have about 55 more new references. Just go have a look. <laughs> I'll put them on the show notes because there's so many fucking articles. Once again, it's so funny to me that anybody would accuse me of that when I'm literally like, this is... I'm getting this, this information also, from articles that are published. Also. I'm not making this up. Uh, I don't know, like, who you're going to sue. <laughs> but the thing about it is when I saw that my thing was to put that out on a public platform is really dangerous because mm-hmm. somebody could pick up on that and then be like and then think that I did that and then I didn't do that I wouldn't even think it's for a case of thinking that you did that Emma I think it would be for a case of like this is just misinformation and women weren't in any way treated yeah. badly and the, and the HSE did their job yeah, the funny thing about it is when I did check this person's Twitter there wasn't a single mention of the cervical check no. scandal I just was a little bit taken out like I genuinely had a breakdown and I was like calling I'm quitting I'm quitting I'm yeah, quitting like I literally I was like, like I can't do this anymore can I can't do this anymore but it's but it is indicative of my reaction to things as well where I need to calm down but just to be accused of defamation is a lot when everything that I said in the podcast every art, word that I did was researched from articles and podcasts I didn't make any of it up just FYI anyway let's get on to this story forget about the internet Um. so as I said all my references are going to be in the show notes there's a fucking lot of them 
Um, so just if you want to have a look. Okay, so as we said last week, um, as Vicky continued to campaign for the women and families of this state failure, as well as receiving experimental treatment for her cancer, President of the Epidemiology and Public Health Section of the Royal Society of Medicine, Dr. Gabriel Scali, was appointed to the HSE to conduct a scoping inquiry into the cervical check screening program. So we're going to talk about the scoping inquiry and then I'm going to talk a little bit about another lady who lost her life. Here we go. Dr. Gabriel Scali was appointed by Simon Harris to carry out an independent scoping inquiry on cervical check. And what exactly had failed? Scali was and is a distinguished senior public health doctor who led several inquiries into the NHS failures, including pathology in Swindon, breast screening in Exeter and abuses in Winterbourne. He is regarded as, quote, a defining clinical governance. So they went to him because they were like, he's done this before. We'll get this guy in. Such was her standing that Simon Harris spoke to Vicky Phelan directly to tell her Dr. Scali would be involved in the inquiry. Vicky said that Simon Harris included her in every step of the decision making. So this is from Vicky's book, Overcoming. She said, Simon Harris had told me about this development. We had kept in touch and were continuing to brief one another. I felt he was on my side through it all. I trusted him and I could see he was following through on his promises. It would later emerge that he instigated the inquiry, despite the fact that his own department was against it. Dr. Scali himself also wanted to make sure Vicky was included in the work he was to carry out and asked to meet Vicky one on one. Vicky was due at St. Vincent's Hospital for an appointment and Dr. Scali booked a room in the building to speak to Vicky. He said, quote, the morning after I was appointed by cabinet, I met with Vicky. She was getting treatment. She was so keen to meet. I saw the calibre of the woman she was, adamant that this should not have happened to other women. Vicky said, Vicky said that after meeting Dr. Scali, she had complete confidence and believed he would do everything to make sure no stern, stones were left unturned. Vicky wrote, I had confidence in his judgment and his resolve to get answers, while at the same time trying to ensure that we still had a screening programme that worked and could be trusted. Dr. Scali worked alongside Stephen Teep, who was Irene's husband, yeah. and Lorraine Walsh, who was another person involved in the 221 Plus group okay uh stating that along with vicky they quote kept me on track dr scally worked arduously on the report but not everything was moon sailing when parts of his report were leaked before the women affected even knew the outcome oh for fuck's sake leo varadkar the taoiseach at the time called the leak a disgrace he said i want to say how disgusted i am that some information from the scally report was leaked this is not a normal story there is this is not some sort of scoop this is a very sensitive issue and one that affects women that are very ill and a lot of families who are grieving this is something that i am appalled to find out that happened so vicky herself took to twitter um and she said I am late to the table with my reaction for two reasons. Lest you all forget, I am still an ill woman battling cancer. The first morning I decide to take a lie-in to prepare myself for the gruelling week of interviews ahead. And what do I wake up to? A whitewash. Today was the day I had set aside to pick up my kids from school and spend some time with them. This is not going to happen. I find myself in the same position as I did a few months ago when I find out that I had not been informed about my own health. Information continues to be withheld from women and I will continue to find back today Stephen uh, Teep and Lorraine Walsh and I meet with Scally so basically it got leaked and then they were like we need to speak to Dr Scally because this can't just be leaked with them how did they get leaked well there's always people on the inside like how does anything get leaked how do any of these reports get leaked there's always somebody no, in but there like why would anybody like what because benefit it's... money yeah of course 
Vicky, Stephen and Lorraine were furious at the leak and had a sit-down meeting with Dr. Scally as well as Simon Harris that lasted hours. Scally talked of the anger surrounding the report. He said, quote, They were angry with me at the beginning because I wasn't recommending a full judicial inquiry. It wasn't easy at times because they had real anger. Sometimes I was able to address their concerns and sometimes it wasn't. So it turns out that he wasn't going down the judiciary route. No. He was going down the here is what's wrong and here's what I think we should do to fix it. So that's the route that his scope was taking. Dr. Scally mentioned that working so closely with the victims and especially Vicky after the leak meant that in the final report, the voices of the failed woman would be front and centre, which was true. I read the report and towards the end, it just becomes about these people that have been affected. According to Daniel McConnell for the Irish Examiner, Dr. Scally's report was very different in tone and conclusion from previous investigations he had carried out. Instead of taking a legalistic approach, he wanted this report to be a, quote, conduit to allow the public to hear how the women affected had been failed. I was determined to have as much communication as possible throughout. The report was a collaborative effort. So he did speak to Vicky, Stephen Teep and other women who had been affected before he released his report. The final draft of the report was released on the 12th of September, 2018. So before I get into the findings of Dr. Scully's scoping report, I want to speak about another woman affected by the scandal who inevitably lost her life to cancer. So at the age of 21, Lindsay Bennett, who was from Colo County Longford, went for her first smear test. She took the advice of experts who stated that if you were sexually active on the contraceptive pill or had children, that you should take, start taking regular smears as early as possible. Now, the thing about this is the smear camp cervical check was only for 25 to 60 year olds. Yeah. So Lindsay paid for this out of her own pocket. She was that adamant to get regular smears because unfortunately at the time Lindsay's mother had terminal cancer. So she was like, I don't want to get sick if I can avoid this anyway. So Lindsay would pay for these smear tests out of her own pocket. Oh, for fuck's sake, Anna. Yep. So soon after the birth of her first daughter, Zoe, Lindsay had her smear. Lindsay's mother, uh, and when Zoe, so Lindsay's mum, when her daughter was 10 months old, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Lindsay and her family had four years before her mother passed at 58 years old. But Leslie Bennett had been misdiagnosed when she went for a checkup due to finding a lump on her breast. So her mum died from a misdiagnosed breast check. Can we get anything right? No, this terrified Lindsay. The idea of leaving her children behind without their mum at an early age. So she was determined to take care of her health. Her first sorry, smear returned as could not read. Okay. So she returned to have another, paid for that. Her second chest test showed that everything was okay. She had another test at 25 and another one at 26, just leading into 27. And was told that all tests were okay. She was told she did not have to have tests every year and instead extend them to every three years. So as soon as she hit 25, they were like, just come every three years. It's fine. Okay. Lindsay did this, but at the age of 27, she said her moods and general health began to change. She said it changed dramatically. She fell down all the time as well as physically exhausted. And this was just not like her. She had nightmares of her mother telling her she had cancer and this frightened her so much she attended the doctor's. So she started dreaming about her mom. And then she was like, my mom was in my dreams telling me I had cancer. So she's like, I'm freaking out. So she went to the doctor. Lindsay noted spotting and she had some pain during sex and also some intermittent bleeding. And she spoke to her doctor asking for further investigation. So when she spoke to her doctor, he said to her, I just saw your smear. It's fine. You're totally fine. You're absolutely fine. Because all her smear tests have been cleared. 
So she was just, like, so those symptoms that she that that's literally the symptoms mm-hmm. of cervical cancer. But then she kept at it, and he was like, okay, and HPV, and HPV. We'll do a colonoscopy. So in late December 2017, during the exam, remember you told me when you had your HPV exam, yeah, and the doctor put her hand, and you just start pissing blood. Yeah, this is exactly what happened to her. During the exam, Lin- Lindsay began to bleed profusely. She said he touched her, and the blood just hit the bed and then hit the floor. Yeah, yeah. Um. And spoke to her doctor asking, she asked again for further investigation. She was like, this is not normal. Uh, so he asked her to come back the next day where she had a colcoscopy. So he thought she had a polyp. He was like, we think this is a polyp. All your smears are clear. You're yeah, fine. Yeah. Upon waking up from the procedure, a doctor told Lindsay that she would have to have a CT scan. Oh, no. Now, I will say for this woman, I listened to a podcast. I can't remember. I'll get the name of it. The girl called Sinead did the podcast and Sinead was really good friends with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. She is a fucking light. Like listening to her, I was like, she is the most positive, yeah, upbeat, the sweet, lovely person. And I was like, my God, this is unfair. Not that it should happen to anybody, it shouldn't happen to anybody, but just listening to her, she is so much love for life. Yeah. You know, she's not, she just wanted to live. And that's what's so frustrating about this. Um, so Lindsay went home and the following day received a call from the oncology gynecology department. The person on the other end of the phone told her she would need to return immediately for a consultation. Lindsay sat across from the consultant and he told her she had cervical cancer. Once again, the usual shit. Lindsay was terrified, but she also felt relieved as she knew something had been wrong with her. And this was the vindication she needed. She was Mm. like, I am sick. Nobody is listening to me. I am sick, which happens to a lot of women. Yeah. At the time, Lindsay had two daughters. She was only 28 and was hopeful of the possibility of maybe having more children in the future. Those hopes were dashed when the consultant informed her that she would never be able to have children again. Mm-mm. She was only 28. She had two kids. She was a single mother. And she said in the podcast, she was like, what frustrates me? She was like, I was so young and I thought maybe I could meet somebody and we could have a kid together. And she was like, that was gone. Yeah. You know, Lindsay was devastated. In 2017, Lindsay underwent a hysterectomy as well as other invasive surgeries to remove the cancer from her body. The operation was a success and Lindsay was informed that there was a 12% chance of the cancer recurring. Mm-hmm. Lindsay continued on with her life as Irene and Vicky had. When in March 2018, six months after her hysterectomy, she began to feel unwell and her mother returned to her dreams. So she said she was having these dreams where she was sitting on the bed with her mother and she knew her mother was dead and her mother knew she was dead. She's like, I'm dead. I know, you know, I know I'm dead. But I'm telling you, you have cancer in your body and you need to go back to the doctor. No, thank you. So uh, Lindsay requested a biopsy and it was terrible news. Her cancer had returned. Lindsay and her auntie went, sorry, met with the consultant where they were told that her cancer had spread to her lymph nodes and her aorta. Oh, Jesus. The doctor told her that she would know he would no longer be treating her to cure, but to help live the rest of her life as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. 28 years old. Lindsay Bennett heard the world terminal. The next day, she arranged her own funeral. Yeah. Lindsay would begin chemotherapy in the hopes of living six to 12 months. For three and a half years, Lindsay, Lindsay went un, underwent intense therapy with various amounts of side effects, including kidney failure and hearing loss. Yeah. She described it as, quote, three years of hell. Whilst undergoing radiotherapy, Lindsay admitted to being suicidal. She told the podcast, the Sinead Says podcast, this is the one that you should listen to, that she began imagining what will be the kindest way to take her own life in order not to suffer anymore. Um, And she told a story about how, 
she explained radiotherapy and it's terrifying. Yeah, radiotherapy is awful. Terrifying. I am not going to describe it, but it's terrifying. And I hope and wish to God nobody I know has to go through that or I don't Mm -hmm. have to go through that. But she told a story of one day after radiotherapy. She said she doesn't drink or anything like that. She doesn't really party. But what she does when she's feeling down is she shops. So she went to Liffey Valley Mm -hmm. and she just bought shit on clothes, bought stuff for her kids. And she said that she went home, gave her presents, the presents to her kids, but in her head it was a goodbye. Yeah. She was like, these are my presents, your, pre- my pres- your presents from mammy, I'm saying goodbye to you because she didn't want to live anymore. Like, mm. that's how bad it was. Which I don't think we talk about enough about the effects of that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, people are like, go to chemotherapy, get better. But it's like, really painful. you're suffering an insurmountable amount of pain. Yeah. Like, um, as I said, she was saying goodbye with the gifts. She fell asleep, woke up, and she was glad that she had not taken her own life. But she said, she woke up the next day and she said, I'm glad I'm not dead. But part of her was still, was like, I want to die. Yeah. Um, after three years of chemo and radiotherapy, Lindsay decided that she no longer wanted to suffer, to be in pain and to have her children watch her waste away. She updated her followers with the following. <clears throat> so this is a direct quote, I believe, from her Instagram or her Facebook. 18 months ago today, I was given my diagnosis, told that double dose of chemo was the only option. I read the files of a six to eight months probability of life left, which was still being alive, that I would be in a wheelchair, that I wouldn't have quality of life without or with chemo. Which I completely respect the choice of others who want to take chemo. I see now for me as hard and a soul destroying treatment from 2017 to early 2020 I will now take as a learning for three and a half half years of hell where I tried all options of chemo radiation and operating so that when I was told I was terminal I knew that I finally had the strength and belief in myself that I wanted to take a path which worked more on building my body up more importantly my immune system and stopped just trying to attack what was wrong and now work on improving the quality of what was right in me this poor girl as Lindsay battled her cancer, the cervical check scandal came to light. The 221 women who had audits completed on previous smear tests that showed they in fact had the early stages of cancer and Lindsay realised she was one of those women. Mm. Once diagnosed with cervical cancer, Lindsay's previous smears were audited like the other women before her and her results showed signs of cancer. Lindsay took her case to the High Court and her solicitor, Gerald Gillian O'Mahony, who by the way is amazing, managed to expedite her case due to the aggression of Lindsay's cancer. Lindsay called the legal process incredibly difficult. She said, quote, if anyone knew behind the scenes the amount of grilling and work that goes into having to get a case like that together, they'd completely understand the relief. It's one of the hardest things I've actually had to do. On February 3rd, 2021, Lindsay won her case and was awarded an undisclosed sum that she hoped this money would just help her little girls continue to live. Like what's sad about this is her mum wasn't around. Yeah, she's doing this by herself. By herself. Like, God bless her auntie. Her auntie seems to be like, and her friends are amazing mm. as well. Mr. Justice Kevin Cross said Miss Bennett was, quote, a person of great courage. Lindsay stood outside the court and read a heartbreaking statement. So I'm going to ask Colin now, because I don't want to read this because it's Lindsay's, to pop this in. It's just a couple of minutes long, a statement from her. Have you seen it outside the high court? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So if you just want to listen to this, To all the women and their families who have fought and continue to fight our heartbreaking illness. I can now focus on my own fight to stay alive as long as I can. To my daughters Zoe and Hayley, I hope I have done enough to secure you both a future free from financial worries. 
and that even with me not here to guide you, that you can both pursue your dreams and remember it. Mammy loves you. How do you feel today, Lindsay? Do you feel a sense of relief? Um, there is a sense of relief that, you know, I have security for the girls now and for their futures because being a single parent and just trying to make sure they have the best in life and to know that, unfortunately, I probably will not be here much longer. It's just, it, I'll be able to have some peace knowing that that is sorted. Lindsay continued to be a beacon of light throughout this horrific treatment and legal battles. She asks Sarah Jane Foster, who is my cousin, by the way, mm. trying to discover today that she did this, to take videos. Sarah Jane Foster, it's SJF Productions, if you ever want to get amazing pictures taken or video, look her up, to take videos and photos of her and her family to keep as memories. But she also released one of the videos named A Letter to the Government. In the video, she addresses the Taoiseach and the government on behalf of her children and all the children of the women affected by the cervical check scandal. So I'm going to read out a little bit of what Lindsay said. And if you can manage to watch the video, do because I had to turn it off because I start crying. In the six minute video, Lindsay spoke of being a single mother to her two daughters and her short life expectancy. Lindsay broke into tears as she read, quote, The government has failed to act and they have failed me and my children. The failure to change the law to allow for the recovery of loss of services and care costs in our cervical cancer cases is a further failure by the state. And I am now calling on you to right this wrong and allow me the comfort of knowing that my children will be properly cared for in the future. As a mother, you just go into that mode of being protective. And I don't think they will truly realise the degrading hell I have gone through to still be here for this today. I am beyond devastated and terrified to have to lay there having my arm hacked to pieces, <sighs> screaming hysterically because my veins aren't able. They burst, they bruise, they swell and they bleed. I tried everything in my power for myself and my two beautiful girls to not be in the position we are in now. I have already lost nearly four years of their little lives. Their childhood memories are of a sick and tired mammy who spends so much time in hospital. At 28 years old, I had my room removed. I had to mourn for a child I would never have. Sat in a waiting room for radiation and chemo whilst not even knowing my name sometimes due to being pumped full of so much poison. It's so lonely not being able to be properly intimate and not to feel a closeness to someone and have that feeling of being loved and safe and being curled up together. My future will only lead to pain for someone and I know that I will never get to live again. I have tried so hard to do this with a smile and be grateful that I am still alive, but I will tell you it is so hard to be alive and not living. I sit here with tear tears streaming down my face now with fear that my girls won't get to have their mammy there to support them in their futures, that I can't protect them and have the opportunities they need in life, to be happy, successful and feel loved. I would not wish this on my worst enemy, the pain, loss and suffering I have endured is something I hope no other woman have, women have to go through. I will advocate for more women, especially single mothers in my position. Our past is full of pain. Let our futures be full of healing. Lindsay's vi video garnered huge public outcry and support. Lindsay fought every step of the way. She tried everything to keep her own family, but also the families of every other woman who, would ha who had this happen to them safe. 
Her heartfelt letter led to an appearance on The Late Late Show, where she spoke about the guilt of having terminal cancer and leaving her children. She said, I never said to them, Mammy is going to get better, because I didn't know. Kids just know that it's a sickness. This time I sat them down and I just said, Mammy has got cancer again. Mammy's sick again. This time it looks like Mammy might have to be an angel, because the hospital doesn't think they have the medicine to make it better. Lindsay also spoke, spoke about the lack of liability from the government and the HSE. Quote, the magic words seem to be deep regret. And I find it kind of funny because growing up for me, sorry was the word you were supposed to say and explain while you're saying sorry. Yeah. Lindsay Bennett passed away on Thursday, the 27th of October, 2022. Lindsay's solicitor called her a very special person in a statement read to the media. Lindsay's beautiful girls, father, sisters, family and friends are heartbroken at the passing of Lindsay at the young age of 34 years old and would appeal for privacy at this moment. Lindsay's friends and those who knew her said she was a warrior from the day she was born to the day she died. So, I don't know, man. (laughs) What do you do with that? Like, poor family, poor girls. So I'm going to go back to talk about the Scali report now, which is obviously more terminology based. Um, so just want to say that there's an amazing article in the journal.ie called The Cervical Check Contro- Controversy, How a Vital Cancer Screening Service is Fighting to Regain the Trust of Women. I could not find out who wrote this article, so I deeply apologise. But if that is the name of it, if you want to look it up, I have it in the show notes. So Dr. Scully's scoping report found major shortcomings in terms of disclosure and the governance of the cervical screening program and a lack of public health expertise. Scully said the screening program was, quote, doomed to fail at some point. And whilst listing and acknowledging the devastating effects the non-disclosure of audits had had on these women, he also stated that the audits and screenings had their limits. He said, quote, screening programs in general do not yet provide the complete answer to preventing, accurately detecting and effectively treating all cases of cervical cancer. Which, OK. But you all had the audits. Yeah, no, so I think that line is like, I don't think that line is relevant. Yeah, I just don't. Because I think, I think maybe it's relevant because, I don't know, I don't know why it's relevant because the whole point in the whole precinct of like, the scope should have been, how come the audits never got picked up? Yeah. Um, but they, he just talked about how, you know, it's limited and that's what that guy, the chief, Tony, whatever the fuck. Tony yeah, he was Brian. like, it, like it's, it's limited. not, it's, it's it limited. will never it's 100% be accurate. And it's like, yeah, no, we get that. Yeah, but if a woman does four previous smear tests that are all negative and then gets the audits and they're all fucking positive, positive. that's nothing, that's a vi- totally yeah. different thing. So in the report, Scally noted that women deserved full access to their health reports, including the audits that were carried out. He said, it is clear from my discussions with women affected that they attach enormous importance to having unfettered access to their clinical records. Their sentiment can be summed up as if it's my body, it's my record. And I could not agree more strongly, which is absolutely true. Fucking yeah. Like, I don't understand how at any point anybody thought that wasn't like if you've got a record on me. I need to see it. Like, that's my body. I don't understand. Uh, all of the just I to the way, this is a very generalized statement to make, but all of this is happening because they're women, by the way. Mm-hmm. The, health, the health treatment for women in this country has been abysmal mm-hmm. since day one. So, mm-hmm. 
Uh, Dr. Scally noted that there was no system in put in place to monitor whether women who had been diagnosed with cervical cancer were informed about their old smears being audited. And even if they were asked if they wanted to know about the audits. What? So he basically said there was no system in place to check, to tell women that they'd been audited. And there was also no system in place to ask women, do you want your audits? That did not exist. Okay, so what's the point of the audits then? Oh, remember what they said last episode? Uh, Educational purposes. Oh, fuck yeah. Scully also compared the cervical screening programme to international standards. So he looked at Ireland, he looked at the UK. Irish cervical check leaflets stated that smear screenings are, quote, not 100% accurate, whilst parts of the UK stated that screening, quote, prevents 7 out of 10 cervical cancers and they're 75% accurate. Okay. So there's a little, I copied, I found this. So this is a little graph to state exactly what happened. Okay. So this is the outcome of disclosure to women February 2016 to July 2017. So of the 204 women in respect of whom letters were sent to training hospital clinicians, disclosure to the women or relatives occurred in 43 cases, which represents only one in five. Of those 43 women, a record of the disclosure meeting was made in 42 instances. An apology was given in 27 of the 43 cases and a record made of the apology in six of the 27 cases where an apology was said to have been given, which was 22%. So it's 204 women. 161 did not get disclo- disclosure. There was Jesus. non-disclosure. 43 got a disclosure. Of the 161 that were non-disclosure, um, 13, what does it say? So only 43 people got disclosures. Yeah. 161 got no disclosures. And then six records of apology. And then there was 21 with no records, records of, of apology. apology. That's for the 43 that got disclosure. Yeah. So that's quite complicated. Yeah. Let me give that again. I'm going to start again. <laughs> So overall, there was 204 women. 161 of them had non-disclosure. 43 of them had disclosure. 13 of the 161 had reasons for non-disclosure not recorded. And then 148 had no reason for why it wasn't. So they they were just never told. They were never told, yeah. But 13 of them were like, yeah, we we told you why we didn't disclose it. Then the 43 disclosure had 27 of them were given apology and 16 of them were given no apology. Then out of those 27 that were given the apology, six of them had a record of the apology. So it was on record. And 21 of them had no, no record of apology, which is really odd, right? Because they're saying here, 27 people were, were given, given an apology. So why are six of them? But only six of them can tell you that they actually were given an yeah. apology. And the other 21 are like, and just no, bear no mind, record of 17 apology. of those women were dead as were well. Were dead. So just... Out of those 27, 17, possibly 17 of those women were dead. So as I spoke about in part one, advice on how to disclose a false positive to the patient was left to the judgment and discretion of the consultant. So this is regarding what that asshole said on Twitter. Um, this is what he, I presume he was talking about. Um, it was less left to the discretion of the consultant as, quote, whether or not to disclose was appropriate. I don't understand how it wouldn't be appropriate. This is what uh, this language confuses me. Maybe How is dead. it? But in would they say that? Would they say that they'd be like it's not appropriate because the person's deceased? Like that? I, maybe they can say that because it sounds so bad. But I'm like but that. That's the only reason in, I could think of. In what case would it be appropriate? Like you, you should. Why would you not tell these people? Because they're dead. <sighs> Cervical check. How many is the? Is there a number related to that? Nope. Cervical check also stated, quote, the limitations to open disclosure. So they keep saying this. There's limitations to being, you know, disclosing this stuff openly. What are your limitations? What are the limitations? I have cancer. Yeah. 
Like that's the whole that but that's the whole point yeah. of the screening. And that's what's so is you tell me if I've got cancer. Because if you say this to people, you're like, what are your limitations? You tell people that their previous smears when they were audited showed signs of cancer. So the limitations are you don't want to get sued. Yeah. That's your limitations. That's it. What's the point of the screening? That is your limitations. You do not want to get sued because having four smear tests done that were all read incorrectly and then when were audited were found that they had cancer. That is legal. That's legality right there. Your ass is getting sued. And rightfully so. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Rightfully so, like. So, Ness, along with the hesitancy of clinicians... My limitations are... um, uh, I just don't want to tell you anything ever. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, that's literally it. Yeah, no, literally. Literally, that's it. Like, I could literally tomorrow be like, oh, they're my my limitations. My my limitation is I just didn't feel like it. yeah. Yeah, my limitations is I don't like to make I don't want to be in uncomfortable conversations. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so along with the hesitancy of clinicians, who Cal- Scali said in his report, quote, didn't regard themselves as part of the cervical check. So the clinicians did not regard no, themselves of course as part. Of the sorry, uh, if you've ever been part of a business that has support functions, all they say is that's your job. That's your job. But listen to this. This was despite funding for the cocoscopist's time in providing care to patients referred after screening coming from surgical check, cervical check. So they were linked. Led to a massively flawed system of apology and disclosure. Dr. Scally also investigated the state's use of American laboratories to examine smear slides. The labs in question were Quest Diagnostics in New Jersey, Clinical Pathology Laboratories in Texas, MedLab Pathology in Sandyford, and Cytology Testing was also carried out in the Coombe Hospital in Dublin. The scoping inquiry advised that the state did place emphasis on, did not, beg your pardon, place emphasis on quality assurance. In 2012, the emphasis became how much money the state would spend on testing. Yeah. Quote, the scoping inquiry found that cost considerations became more prominent over time. In, 20, in 2008, the price was weighted at 20% of the overall ten, tender evaluation. And by 2012, this had risen to 40%. Do you want to know why, Emma? Oh. Because less people were getting diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So they were like, this works. This works. So keep sending it out. Keep sending it's it like, out. If this works, so now we need to send it out on a bigger scale. Yeah. Okay, let's review again. Oh, okay, we've seen a drop in cancer. And we're saving uh, up to 40% on our costs. And we're saving up to 40%. Do you know what we should do? We should expand again because this is clearly working. It's not because you yeah. haven't audited anything and you've yeah. no quality service checks. Yeah. Like, like that- the number is getting lower because you're not diagnosing people. But like, you remember last, last episode I did that gentleman who uh, questioned the quality assurance to Tony O'Brien? Yeah. And Tony O'Brien basically told him to mind his own business. And yeah. because of that, he quit because he was like, this is not working. Yeah. Something is wrong. That man quit. And then we're being told they're talking about limitations and oh the the checks aren't 100%. You had a major part of your quality assurance team for the cervical for cervical cancer quit. Mm. Was like I'm do, not doing this job anymore because I've spoken to you and you're not taking me seriously. Yeah. However, the report concluded that quote, it is likely that the best pres- proposals were received from the successful bidders. Sorry. So basically they were saying it's probably not about money. It's probably just about the best ones. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. I'm sorry. Fuck off. Like, what? You literally just said that their price w- was weighted at 20% of the overall tender in t- in twenty in 2008. And by 2012, well, this had doubled in importance to 40%. But, you know, it's likely the best proposals were received. No. No. I'm sorry. I, I'm I disagree sorry. with Has this. Has anybody gone through a tender process? Have you ever gone through no. a tender process? No. I'm, I'm going to tell you job. some things now. Go. First thing is... 
tender processes are rigged. Oh, Lord. In every business I've ever been in. Okay. Like, every single... And I've done tender processes in five businesses in the past ten years. Yeah. They're, they're rigged from the start because you're generally... The people that you want to work with are the people that you're developing a relationship with. Yeah. So, the companies that, like, it's strategic for yeah. you. That's the first thing. And you will see all of the tenders, but you know going in there that only four out of the seven are what you're going to consider. Yeah. Because they're within your strategic plan. The next thing is, the only thing you care about is SLA and cost. That's cost. Like, what's your, like, so yeah. what's the service level agreement you can commit to? Yeah. What's the amount of time you can get this done in? And what's the, what's cost? the cost? And they're acting like people are stupid. Like, I, dumb. I understand this report and he was very fair on what he said. And it's a very interesting report. I have a link. Just throw in that there. in at the very end, Emma. That's not fair. I know. But I have a link in the reference notes. But the only thing to state this and then in the next paragraph say it's likely the best proposals were received from the successful bidders no and without seeing the laboratory's proposals quote it is not possible to determine whether the successful proportions effectively met the service delivery requirements or whether they were merely superior to unsuccessful proposals and i just i'm sorry maybe this is wrong to say i don't believe this don't for believe a fucking second because here's the thing women have been for centuries treated like their health does not matter. For a lot of the time, we were there just to pop out babies. That's it. Like our, the medical the medical system is not set up to help women. It is set up to help men, and this is really frustrating to read. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know what it is? It's patronising. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, I don't want to defame anybody or get in trouble, but like it is very patronising to read this. And it must have been incredibly hard for Vicky Phelan and all those other people affected for this to come out in a leak and them to be like, "Excuse me." Yeah. Oh, in closing, Scully said he did not believe a commission of investigation into cervical check would be needed. Instead, he made 53 recommendations of which 170 actions would need to be taken. Right. Dr. Sally also said, also called for grace and compassion towards the women affected, as well as for the women to be, quote, as well as, so one of his little thingies, one of his little recommendations was he believed that he what was needed was for women to be told what happened and why, in parentheses the truth for someone who is involved to say they are sorry and mean it to be assured this won't happen again to anyone else which is fine but also that should be understood immediately that that should have happened this shouldn't have to be in a report I have a problem like this shouldn't have to be in a report where they go say sorry and mean it would you like me to would you like me to tell you my problem go with your problem point of his report is to tell me what happened and why what, what happened and why like what happened and why that's, how much money did you get here? paid for how much oh, you, I don't even know like what what's the point to you yeah. are, are you not to tell me what happened and why it almost feels like he came in and went well here's what happened we feel really bad for these women but also we're not well, he gonna, didn't say what happened he, he, we're not going to say well he ex- explained that the the reason that the audits weren't put forward is basically due to the lack of expertise in the system he said he said that this was doomed to fail at some point that there wasn't enough medical uh, expertise and the quality assurance wasn't good enough so for me hearing that I hear right somebody needs to be blamed for this yeah but there's no blame here there's no blame there's um what to f- I could be wrong and I, I don't want to be disrespectful but what it seems like to me is he's looking for excuses yeah yeah and I'm not shocked by this. Obviously, I didn't. I read some of the scoping report, not all of it. It's very, it's very detailed. But um, this seems patronising to me. And uh, Vicky Phelan and the people involved asked for an apology. That is fine. But just for this man to come along and be like, I just want everybody to say sorry to them and mean it. What? 
Yeah, of course People they need do. to get fired. Anyway, so this is from the scoping requirement. This is what Scally said. The near last section about when he spoke to Vicky and and Irene Teeth's husband and uh, Lorraine. He said, many, if not all, of the recommendations in the scoping inquiry are aimed at ensuring that nothing like this happens again. But while structures, staffing, protocols and policies can address many deficiencies, others are more difficult to transform. It is clear from the experience of the women and their families that a major cultural shift is needed in respect of open disclosure amongst health professionals. I believe there is a willingness to move forward and committed leadership amongst the medical profession could make an enormous difference. Just as I have, as a person, been deeply moved by the fortitude, dignity and incisiveness of those most deeply affected by this episode, I have, as a doctor, been humbled and ashamed that it should have happened in the first place. I suggest that the leaders of the medical profession in Ireland should be encouraged to meet face to face with those most affected so they too can hear from patients how they feel they were dealt with by the system and by medical profession. A dialogue about how the profession is changing and how that change can be supported and encouraged would be of undoubted value and again is a restorative process. So as of 2021, 148 recommendations have been implemented and 12 are in progress. So October 2019, then Taoiseach Leo Varadkar stood before the doll and formally apologised to the women and families affected by the cervical check scandal. In the speech, he apologised for specific issues. So this is verbatim from the journal, this amazing article I read. So the specific issues were failure of clinical governance, leadership and management for the humiliation, disrespect and deceased, deceit and for the attempts to play down the seriousness of the debacle. Part of his speech read, we apologise to our wives, our daughters, our sisters, our mothers. Also, just want to say anyone with a uterus, because I know this language is very much excluding trans people so apologies Mm -hmm. to the men who lost the center of their lives and who every day have tried to pick up the pieces the single fathers and grandparents and single mothers lesbians to the children who will always have a gaping hole in their lives to all those grieving for what has been taken from them the happy days that will never be a broken service broken promises broken lives a debacle that left a country heartbroken a system that was doomed to fail a state apology may not provide closure but i hope that it will help to heal as Vicky Phelan continued her fight for cancer, as she travelled to the United States for treatment, as she gave interview after interview asking for recognition and help for the women who were suffering and for those who had passed, the UK's Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologies, or ORCOG, published its own results of an independent clinical review of the cervical check screening process over a 10-year period. The review found that our screening service was, quote, in line with internationally respectable programmes. Professor Henry Kitchener, a world expert in gynecological oncology, stated that the screening process was, quote, performing effectively and women can have confidence in it. So from the journal.ie. I have nothing else to say in this episode. (laughs) Out of a total of 1,038 women of their other families who agreed to take part, the review disagreed with the cervical check diagnosis in 308 cases, which is 30%. In 159 of these cases, 15%, the ORCOG expert panel considered that the cervical check result had an adverse effect on the women's outcome. So basically they're saying only 15% out of all these tests would have had an adverse effect. That's all. 15% is a very high number. Very high number. And a very small population. The report stated, quote... 
The pattern of disagreement or discordance was similar in many ways to the pattern seen on routine review of smears prior to the diagnosis of over 8,000 cervical cancers in England. So they basically looked towards England to see what it was like. Same thing that Dr. Scully did. It should be noted, however, this is from that article, that the screeners were re-examining smear slides as part of the review. So they were, ARCOG came in and were like, re-examine these smears, tell us what you find. Mm. The screeners weren't told of the original smear test, so they didn't know the original smear results. But they were aware the slides were part of the ARCOG review. So they weren't told what they were doing it for, but they were told it was an ARCOG review. So they were like, just uh, recheck these smears, see what you see. So it's like they were doing their own audits on previous smear tests. It is possible the screeners erred on the side of caution on whether the cell had an abnormality as they were aware the smear slides were from women who would later go on to develop uh, cervical cancer. So basically what they were doing is they were like, these testers don't know anything about this, but you're doing a review for ARCOG and also these women did go on to get cancer. So just tell us what you find. So they were like, any any small thing, they would have been like, yeah, it's cancer. So to me, this doesn't seem very fair. No. As opposed to these people being told, just check these smears. We're not telling you what it's for and we're not telling you what the outcome was. They were told what, it, what not told what it was for, they were told who and it was for. And wouldn't you like, again, I don't know much about analytics, but I know a little bit about sampling. And the whole idea of sampling is that like, wouldn't you have like a clean sample mm-hmm. and a sample that was off? Yeah. And then you would put them both through? Yeah. Um, because is, then that would give you a lot a, like a number or a gradient of yeah. like well actually in terms of like the clean ones the they are erring on the side of caution yeah. because these people didn't go on to get cancer. get cancer but this is the thing is when I read this I was like oh okay so realistically this isn't actually 100% fair because these people it's like if you're going into a test and someone says to you, it's just a test, don't worry about it. And then someone says to you, it's it's a test, but it's worth like 100% of your grade. Your How you approach it is going to be vastly mm. different. So that's the only thing about this. Unless you're me. Sarah, I'm, not, I'm not disregard. I just want people to know I'm not disregarding. I never want to be disregarding like ARCOG or Dr. Scali because I know these people are health professionals. But it's very easy to state this when your family aren't in this. It's very easy to make these statements when the people that you love are dying from a disease and then you're coming out with your little facts and your but I statistics. Also think there's, I also think there's merit in questioning the, like, the process that they followed. Of course. I, th- I don't think that's... But that's a- what it always should be done. Yeah. Instead of so taking I- this personally and as a slight on on your profession, yeah. that's not what your profession is. Your profession is to help people. It's not to defend the fuck-ups of other doctors. You're not like- working in a fucking garage. You are s- there to save people's lives. Mm. And it seems to me, and I'll go on to explain why I'm saying this now, but it just seems to me that these people are taking this as a slight on their person as opposed to the organisation that they're part of. Yeah. Boot lickers. Boot yeah. lickers. And I don't have any time for boot lickers. I just don't. If you take, if you become a doctor, you have a duty of care. And instead of arguing with the head of the clinical or the cervical check, being like, you tell her, no, you tell her, no, you tell her, you... For a year. Mm. Like, I don't sound like my but that's how big business works. Big business. <laughs> big milk. But that is the. I know, it is. That is how. But like, that's big business. It's people's lives. I know, Sarah. but like. Do you know what I mean? Me- like, medical injury. Medical. I know that, but like, we're. Industry is not. We're in a country. The way that it was. But we're in a country that 
when you think about it, we're not the United States. No. We're not like, I'm not going to go, heaven forbid, I get cancer in the morning. I'm not going to go bankrupt. No. I'm not. Like, we have the HSC for a reason. So for me personally, I feel like these people are so afraid of their profession being discredited in any way that they'll do anything to avoid that. Yeah. Including the fact that you took on a duty of care to look after people and you fucking haven't. Mm. Big milk! All of this, however, would do little to comfort Vicky Phelan and every woman diagnosed with cancer. So this is from the journal.ie. For the women affected by the non-disclosure of audits, an ex gratia payment of €20,000 was awarded to them or their families, because they probably died, in the wake of both the Scali report, 221 women, and the ARCOG review, 159 women for compensation of the non-disclosure of their smear audits. A package of supports was also provided for these women, such as medical cards and a reimbursement of expenses. Sorry, you got 20 grand. 20 grand. 20 your man, grand. Your man's going to die. You're nine, but here's 20 grand. It's insulting. And then they got an... This gets worse. A medical card. Medical card. Here you go. <laughs> You'll have to pay for the medication, though. You get a medical card anyway if you've got yeah. cancer. Just so you're aware. So, this gets Like, worse. the way it works when you get cancer, because most people can't work, is they get given a medical card. So, Vicky Phelan tweeted out a statement directed at Paul Connors and Kira Kelly regarding the ORCOG report and their response to the cervical check scandal. So, Paul Connors is the... I'm just going to get his name. Hold up exactly what he is because I don't want to say anything bad about him. Uh, he's the He was the Director of Communications uh, for the HSE. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Kira Kelly is a pundit. Uh, I don't know what she does. Anyway, she does all those things. She radio show. She radio show on news today. News talk. News talk. One of those things. Business so, daddy. Business daddy. So a long thread. This is what Vicky said. A long thread in response to Paul Connors and Kira Kelly doc. There are many problems with the tweet below an article written by Kira Kelly in the Sunday Indo. Here are my reactions. One, the director of comms for the HSC Live should be withholding comment until the ARCOG report has been published and all women and families have been contacted which they weren't yet. He was opening his big mouth. As usual, however, scant respect for women is shown to those affected. Two, Kira claims that many people view cervical check as, quote, a cause for litigation. This is simply not true. So far, only six cases have hit the courts. Yes, there are more cases pending, but it is certainly not the case for all of the 221 plus um, have cause to sue. Three, I take offence at Kira's claim that, quote, no one will benefit from suing except those in receipt of legal fees. Tell that to my children and the children of Emma Vikfathuna and Ruth Morrissey, who have successfully sued and who not, we will not see our children grow up. Our settlements will be used to benefit our families when we are gone. Four, Kira claims that auditing was stopped by the HSC Live for fear of litigation and this is leaving women at risk. Women have been at risk for a number of years, Kira, or have you forgotten? The Gabriel Scally report found that the programme was doomed to fail and that the audit was inadequ- inadequate. Five, Kira claims that if leaks are true, there will be three different results when looking at the same screening test. This is not the case. The Scally inquiry did not review any slides so did not come up with any results please get your facts right <gasps> Kira only women in the 221 plus who have consented to ORCOG will have three sets of results women in this group will have one the original smear test result two a cervical check audit result three ORCOG review a result for the remaining women they will have two results Six, Kira claims that with the ORCOG review, those looking at the screening tests knew the women had cancer. What she forgot to mention was that this was also the case with the cervical check audit, which we know was inadequate. 
CC reviewers also knew the women had cancer. Finally, I hope that this thread, to use Kira's own words, quote, goes uh, some way towards illustrating how subjective views are on cervical cancer. The only people doing in this country no favours are those who believe that. The women and families affected by the cervical check debacle, if they deign to take a case, will be responsible for bringing down the cervical screening programme. Cervical check did all this on its own, as the Scully, Scully report shows. Oh my God. Was she trying to blame yes. the victims to say that the... Vicky's response was to Dr. Kira Kelly's article in the Sunday Independent, in which she stated, quote, Many view the ongoing situation with cervical check simply as a cause for litigation. It is a public health success story, despite its limitations. If it is sued into oblivion, who will benefit? No one will benefit except those in receipt of legal fees. Just as I said to you a few minutes ago about doctors tending to to defend their profession Mm. and the groups that look after them, the bootlickers, um, they will do anything in there. A lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them in their power to make the person who has been affected, the victim of a fuck up, look like they're greedy and looking for money. This is disgusting. Hmm. What's more disgusting is when she put up a tweet about it, people were agreeing with her in the comments. Dr. Kerr Kelly. The HSE Director of Communication, Paul... Where are those people now? I know. Paul Connors was quick to tweet, thought-provoking analysis by Kerr Kelly Doc and clinical order, especially in the context of cervical screening. This man is the Director of Communications for the HSE. However, he deleted the, the tweet QuickSmart and the HS release, HSE released a statement saying Paul Connors has deleted his tweet. He apologises for any upset caused on this occasion. You were the director, the director of communications for the HSE agreeing with this article. In October 2021, Vicky received further bad news that her cancer had progressed rapidly and she had developed new tumours in her neck and bowel. This poor woman. Vicky, like Lindsay, decided she did not want to continue with the treatment and instead decided to take palliative care. The pain and suffering she endured, as well as the pain her children had to endure seeing their mother this way, was the main reason she chose to stop treatment. Vicky told the Irish examiner, quote, I made the decision to stop chemotherapy after my first dose on October 18th. I was horrendously ill for almost two weeks and I decided that I had had enough of putting my body through torture. At this stage, my treatment is palliative anyway. There is nothing else that can be done medically. And so I decided that for me, quality of life is far more important to me now than quantity of life. If the extra time that I might get means that I have to go through hell for two or three weeks every month. Um, there are things I want to do, want to be able to do between now and Christmas. To be able to go off and have lunch or have coffee with my kids. To be able to walk around the shops and not be banjaxed. For the moment, my target is Christmas. To be as well as I can for Christmas. And after that, I'm pretty happy to go at that point. Just get to Christmas. Ugh. In November 2021, Vicky appeared on The Late Late Show. She had lost her hair and sat in front of Ryan Tuberty to tell him she would no longer be taking any more chemotherapy. And it's so odd because she's talking to him and you can see him almost trying to be like... He doesn't know how to process he's it. He's like, please take he's, more chemotherapy. Yeah, he's yeah. like... like you can, he can hear him. He's, she's like, I don't want to do it. And he's like... Oh. Like you can, he's trying to Because like, he's willing her to live. Yeah. Um, so you can hear that he's trying to be like, please, please. Do yeah, that. yeah. And, he, and I get it in that sense. He doesn't want her to die. 
she said the medication she was on, Pembro, was giving her a standard of life that she could enjoy. Which was costing her eight grand a week. Yeah. She said the conversations with her children had been... Which the medical card doesn't cover. No. But if you get a free medical card there, lads, uh, for fucking up, um, we won't cover any of the medication for you. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't cover Pembro. Just to... uh, Lindsay Bennett that passed away. She paid for everything herself. Out of her own pocket. She went to Germany. Yeah. I followed her intensely on Instagram. She went to Mexico. She went to Germany. She went to America. Yeah. She went to Florida. She went to, I think, Vienna. She went to multiple other places and, and paid for all of her treatment. Out of her own pocket. Out of her own pocket and had GoFundMe. And luckily she had that because she said that she was like, I'm so lucky that people were willing to... Yeah, yeah, because she got 20 grand, Emma. So Lindsay Bennett said one of the main reasons that she started doing the videos is because she had spoken to a counsellor in Longford to ask him to appeal to the HSE to allow her to get medication in Ireland from other countries. And he hadn't helped her. And then she logged on to Facebook and sent, saw him sending condolences to a family member who had died of cancer. So she just fucking lost it. And she was like, you'll go to Facebook and send your little condolences so everybody can see them. But when I ask you to help me after what's happened to me, you don't. So that's what I mean, like as Sarah said, with these big organisations and stuff like... It's all for show. It's all for show. And what's happening it's in the all, background It's all is, optics. What, like. What's happening? And that is it. It's yeah. all optics. Yeah. Like, it's all, it's all about, like, PR risk yeah. and mitigation. Yeah. And, and whose hand about, can we like, shake to make it so popular? And what can we do? And what are the optics yeah. for that? And it's and the other thing is that, like, they will do anything internally yeah. to not receive any bad media. Yeah. And that also means that they will do things like the head of the communication in HSE will promote articles yeah. by a person who is discrediting is discrediting the pain and suffering these women have gone through but it's also discrediting discrediting the own paper yeah. that the government and the HSE yeah. put out to be yeah. like this is what happened yeah so it's astounding to what to watch this in action and to watch people also like normal people agreeing with a lot of this stuff it's but like you get, like to a degree and I know like we'll get into like uh, uh, it'll be a bigger debate about misinformation and I'm not I don't want to go down that road to a degree there are like there are people that are because she's a doctor they're like oh she must be right with what she's saying yeah yeah and, and there are also people her. that like there is that sense of like Oh, like are they like like why are they looking for money? money? Yeah, do you know what I mean? There is that sense, and yes, so, they like, are looking for money, and they should be looking for money. And that is the thing, but it's like the thing of like their own those people more than likely only heard about Vicky yeah. Feeling getting two point six million, and only heard yeah they didn't they didn't read that review a hundred percent. And they, they also didn't, didn't read they didn't hear about women who could not afford to go to court exactly to fight their battles because and also could not afford to go to court because they were too sick they were too sick um, or their family or they had kids and, and their husbands are home with their kids they're already passed yeah, away like, like and so I think it's that thing of like. Like a twenty grand and a medical card, medical card, which has no access to um, new innovative medicine. Nope. It's only whatever is like certified available. on the board and yeah. what's available. And nine times out of ten, that's just chemo and radiation. Yeah. And then, like, just listening to Lindsay talking about her radiotherapy, I was like, "Sweet mother of God!" Like, she said it got so bad that they had to put her under general anaesthetic because of the way her body was reacting yeah. to it. Like she was just, she didn't want to live, Sarah. But even the way, you know, when you think about it, like to be that sick and to be like, the only thing that's going to make you better is to get even more Sicker. sick. Yeah. Oh, 
she's so um vicky told ryan she said the conversations with her children had been incredibly tough she said that she received an outpouring of incredible messages from people and one such one of those messages really stuck with her a woman recalled her mother having terminal cancer when she was just a 10 year old girl and her memories of her mother of her are of her in pain and suffering mm. She told Vicky that what she was doing was incredibly brave and that her children would have memories with their mother that would not be surrounded by sickness. In October of 2022, a documentary named Vicky, directed by Sasha King, was released to theatres in Ireland. The documentary would not only focus on Vicky's diagnosis, her fight in the High Court and her subsequent importance to the Irish healthcare system, but also her life and her family, who Vicky loved insurmountably. Sasha said, quote, they asked Sasha, how did you get involved in this? She said, I seen her on the news the day that she came out of the high court. That was in April 2018. I was just floored watching her tell us as a nation what had happened to her. I was completely fascinated by the story. I approached her very quickly after that and we met in Dublin. We got on great. We're very alike in certain ways and she's a wonderful collaborator. She's so proactive. Sasha spoke of Vicky and called her a remarkable human being. Quote, she's very generous with her thoughts and her time with her family, with letting me be around her children. Her parents are also wonderful people. I just loved spending time with them. She allowed that to happen. I think it's pretty common knowledge that we don't have a great history in this country of looking after women's health fact it doesn't seem to be a major priority i do think what vicky has done is part of a sea change absolutely i hope the film finds helps in some manner by documenting what happened so it's on record this is a snapshot of history of what went down that people can refer to vicky was too sick to to attend the premiere of the documentary but she told sasha that she loved it so she watched it Mm -hmm. at home in her bed vicky phelan passed away at the age of 43 at milford care center in county limerick Her family were around her, her husband Jim, daughter Amelia, son Dara, her parents John and Gabby Kelly, her siblings Robbie, Lee, Johnny and Lindsay and her parents-in-law Jim and Brenda Phelan. Brenda Phelan, I beg your pardon. Her family said they were devastated but so, so proud of Vicky. Beyond being a campaigner, Vicky was a kind, intelligent, caring, beautiful person, mother and family member. Her father told the Irish Times, I never thought you could feel so lonely, surrounded by so many in the last few days since our beautiful daughter Vicky passed. But for all the beautiful tributes we have received, and this is a very special one, we all know that Vicky was the wave that came crashing in when there was desperate wrongdoing to her and so many other women in Ireland. She brought to light the cervical scandal. She was not going to shut up and go away quietly as they had hoped she would do. The 221 Plus campaign released the following statement. Today we have lost our biggest sister. We are shattered. She told us this day will come, but she fought so hard and so well that we couldn't let ourselves think it would happen. Our hearts go out to Jim, Amelia, Darren, Dara, as do ours, and to Vicky's mum and dad, her sisters and brothers and her extended family. Our pain is suffocating just now, but it is nothing compared to their loss. Vicky raised her voice in 2018 because she wanted those in power, those with responsibility to learn from their mistakes. In her own words, two years ago, she said, I don't want your apologies. I don't want your tributes. I don't want your aide de camp at my funeral. I don't want your accolades or your broken promises. I want action. I want change and I want accountability. Let those words be her legacy. Cervical screening saves lives. It failed Vicky in life. In her memory, those were responsibility must ensure that it never fails others. And that is... 
the incredibly upsetting story of the cervical check scandal in Ireland and Vicky Phelan and Irene Teep, Emma Vicfuthon, um, of Lindsay Bennett, I beg your pardon, and of Ruth Morrissey and every other woman and family that was affected by a catastrophic fuck up on behalf of the state and the HSE and there's no other way to look at it. Um, I hope that wasn't too triggering for everybody. I couldn't deal with it today. I just couldn't deal with it. It was horrible. Because I think we've all seen people die of cancer and it's the worst thing in the entire universe. And it's even worse when a mother is leaving her children behind. So uh, the Vicky documentary is actually being shown on RTE, I believe, next yeah, week, if you want to watch sure it. Um, you can you can watch it on the IFI website if you wish to do so. It's I believe I haven't seen it because I don't think I can watch it. It's quite harrowing, I believe. Um I, all my references for my articles are some fantastic articles that were written and some that Vicky was involved in and Lindsay was involved in and other women were involved in so they'll all be in the show notes but yes apologies for the downer but I think it's something that needed to be tackled so you did an amazing job I hated it so much I hate yeah, it yeah no it's a terrible terrible story it doesn't feel any better either no, all the, the recommendations when, when was that report written 2021 yeah they haven't been implemented I think 148 of them have but I don't know like what that is do you know what I mean there's no spe- I can't, couldn't find any specifics on what they are they were, it, was, it was talked about in the doll last week and was it? the, and the Shannon, um, where they were like these recommendations have not been implemented um, or embedded and to lose Lindsay and Vicky within a week of each other and then for people to be writing articles saying these women are looking for money and maybe we shouldn't give them money because the state might fail with the cervical checks and they fail maybe that means that maybe you should fix it and I think right listen if she thought that at the time I think uh, time has, has said that that's not the case mm-hmm. but that person hasn't come out and said no and even when I thought maybe when Vicky passed she might no have something to say but no because why would she but um yeah anyway sorry lads for the downer um Sarah's going to do a story next week it's going to be fun as full I'm of going sunshine to try a fun story. and love and light I'm going to try and find a fun story about murder Emma. broken my brain <laughs> and my heart and I am I honestly can't look at anything else about this because I've listened to I watched Lindsay's videos today and I was like this is not fair like this is just like as Irene Teep's husband said there was no reason for Irene to die Stephen Teep said there was no reason for my wife to die and he was right. No, he's right. Yeah, there was, absolutely, no, re- there was no reason for Vicky to die. There was no reason for any of these women to die. But just to say Vicky Phelan was a fucking force. Of nature. And absolutely her, just to say I'm not signing this NDA because I'm not letting everybody away. I'm not yeah. letting anybody away with this and I want to help women. When she could have just signed that NDA and got a fuck ton more money. Yeah, yeah. Is indicative of her spirit and her character. So just, I don't know if anybody who related to Vicky would ever listen to this. But please know we loved her. We will continue to love her. We'll continue to do things in her name. And she was an incredible person, so. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, guys. And we hope you all have a nice week. Yes. Um, we shall see you next week. And Sarah will do a story about Sunshine and Lollipops. I'll do Sunshine about Sunshine and Lollipops. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We're going to just, t- uh, just talk about Sarah's dogs and my cat. That's it. That's yeah. all we're going to do for two hours because I and my brain is broken. Um, It's just a tough one, guys. It's two weeks in a row. Um, And honestly, there is nothing... Like, it doesn't feel like... It doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like, like a shift. Yeah, and it's... You know what else it is? It's that these women, women got 
obviously they've got this, the sums in the court so they got like 2.5 million 2.1 million you know usually when people get money it's like right that's for them because something bad happened to them they're going to continue their, their life but then it was like no we need this money because we're going to die, die. and our kids need to live yeah. like, it's just fucked man there's most, no but, Emma most of those kids won't see any of that money no. because their parents their mothers were spending money trying to, to try stay alive. To try and stay alive. Um, and like, it just it feels icky. The whole thing just feels like there's no... You know, usually when we tell stories, and it's awful stories, it's like, that person went to jail. And they're rotten in jail. And there's an outcome. With this, it's just like... Ugh. Like, but... Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to go. And everybody, because Sarah's very tired. And everybody have a lovely evening. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Have bye. a nice week. Thanks for listening. Just a phase Mother's milk gone sour It fermented with our father's gaze Caught the bride's bouquet Now I'm waiting in the chapel For a fresh coat of paint They say No, I'm not trying to be that bitch I'm just up here trying to make a difference Drinking for the nerve but I'm all I made me mad for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down shivering the secondhand shade And I hate on every choice that I ever made, ever made This life just isn't to my taste So I beat my face Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't see what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, it's only a dream Story, cause not too long ago I was just a regular girly, too preoccupied with boys and spending all of my money on some see through material just to cover my body. That's then right. one night I had an accident that set me apart. I was exposed to an element that captured my heart. Yeah, those ill begotten daughters of the glamorous game, yeah, they gave me a home and let me pick my new name. So I took to the stage just like a knife to an artery, and I gave you my spirit and made this killer a part of me. I'm no longer a Calamity. I'm serving you make-believe with the side of reality But I took it too far and let the parasites get to me Slamming shots at the bar, I'm living off cocaine and ecstasy And I'll murder my friends, set up camp with my enemies Till the day I decided to keep the monster inside of me But I can't leave it in its place So I beat my face Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't unsee what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a